Welcome to the sermon cast from King Road Church. It's our desire that God uses this message to bring you closer to Him. If you'd like to pray with someone, speak with one of our pastors, or if you're looking for more resources, please go to kingroad.ca, scroll down on the homepage, and fill out the Reach Out fillable. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, we'll be continuing our sermon series in Matthew. Eric Little might be a name that some of you know, but my guess is maybe a lot of you don't. Eric Little was a world-class sprinter from England in the early 1920s and was favored to win gold in the 100-meter race at the 1924 Olympics. But when the Olympic schedule came out of what, race, what races would be on what days, the 100-meter was on a Sunday. And Eric Little, as a committed Christian, said, I'm not going to race on a Sunday. So his, his country, the Olympic Committee, he's favored to win gold. They're like, no, 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 Eric, you've got to race, but we can't change the schedule for you just because you have this commitment. But his conviction was no, that he wouldn't race that day. So instead, he chose to race in the 400 meter. So four times as long as what he's used to running. He spends a couple months training for it, but isn't used to this. He's not used to the 400 meter. He, his, his best time was in college, and it was like an average 400 meter time. So the Olympics come, it comes race day. They place him in the least favorable lane of all eight lanes that are running in this race. And Eric Little goes on to win gold and set a world record. It's an incredible story. Somebody that chooses to follow his convictions regarding the Sabbath, and God blesses him for it. Another story. Uh, if you ever get into conversations with me about food and restaurants and uh, the time that we spent in Florida, you'll probably quickly learn that one of our favorite restaurants to go to was Chick-fil-A. Yeah, there's already some woos. Yeah, Chick-fil-A's great. Delicious food. Who would have thought that just a plain chicken breast breaded on a bun with no toppings could be so amazing? But it is. But Chick-fil-A, uh, fast food restaurant, specializes in chicken sandwiches there. And uh, they are only open six days a week. They're closed on Sundays. Even the food court outlets in malls, where the whole mall is open on Sunday, Chick-fil-A is not. They're closed. So you look at this and you'd think, well, this is quite the sacrifice that this company is making for this commitment. Because they're open 52 less days per year than all the other restaurants, all the other fast food chains. So you'd think this would affect them, and it does affect them. So li listen to the stats, though. Here's some numbers. These are from 2017, and this is on a per-franchise basis, how much money they earn. So Starbucks, per-franchise in 2017, earned $975,000. Burger King, per franchise, $1.5 million. 
2017. McDonald's, 2.6 million per franchise. Here's some big numbers. Chick-fil-A, 4 million per franchise. On a, fr on a per franchise level, they blow the competition out of the water. So again, these are extraordinary stories of God blessing his people who are observing the Sabbath, taking one day a week and devoting it to rest and to worship. In today's passage, we're going to see Jesus interact with the Pharisees on the issue of the Sabbath. How do we observe the Sabbath? What is, how, what's the right way to observe the Sabbath? And is, is the Sabbath just about keeping the law that has been set for the Sabbath, or is there a greater purpose to it? And some important context to consider as we look at this is the preceding verses. Remember the last verses from chapter 11, come, Jesus saying, come to, me, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now we come into today's passage where we look at the Sabbath, the day of rest. So the big idea for today's passage Today's message, only in Jesus can we find true rest. And the points are Sabbath rest is meant to bless, and Sabbath activities should be filled with grace. Let's go on to the first point, Sabbath rest is meant to bless. Matthew chapter 12, starting verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence? which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So as Jesus is walking with his disciples, they're walking through the grain fields, it says. And clearly he still has some crowds following him because they're the Pharisees watching every little thing Jesus does, trying to pick him apart. They don't really like him because he's not just one of them. He's not just going along with their program, but he is bringing some clarity to the teachings. He's bringing some clarity for the crowds and some things that maybe they don't, Pharisees don't agree with. Even when it comes to the Sabbath, a day where rest is commanded, and here they are on the Sabbath. So here's the command from Exodus 20, just so you all understand what the command regarding the Sabbath is. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. 
For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So that's the command, to rest on the Sabbath day, to not work. But then the Pharisees come and they create another list to go along with this of 39 specific things that you can't do on the Sabbath day. And one of them included in that is you're not allowed to harvest. So they see the disciples and Jesus walking through the grain fields and they just pick some grains. You've probably done this as a kid. I remember as a kid going for a walk down our road and you'd find some, some fresh grass and you know they get the little head on it and you, you pull it out and you start to nibble on the end. This is the kind of thing that they were doing. They're just grabbing some grain and eating it. Why not? Well, the Pharisees say not to. That's why not. But look at Jesus' response. In response, he doesn't go to them, oh, like, that's just your man-made laws. Don't worry about us. No, he doesn't retort that way. Instead, like a good rabbi, he actually points them back to the scriptures and what they'll find in the Bible. And he gives two examples of how this law is broken in the scriptures. First, when David was fleeing from King Saul, King Saul wanted to kill him. David meets with Jonathan. He, can, he explains that this is what's happening with Jonathan, and he runs away. He's trying to find freedom. He's trying, trying to find a sanctuary from the attacks, from the, the pursuit of Saul and his men. And so he goes to the tabernacle, which was like the temple in, the, in that time. They didn't have a permanent temple. It was a Tabernacle, which was really a big tent that would move from place to place. And 1 Samuel 21, a couple of sections from that, because it's quite a long section, I just picked a couple. Um, and the priest, David goes in and he wants some, some food. And so the priest answers David, I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread. So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there was no bread there but the bread of the presence. The bread of the presence was part of the function of the tabernacle. Uh, it, was, it was something that was there for only the priests to eat, and they had to refresh it on every Sabbath. And the priest offers it to David. So the priest here breaks the law, and David breaks the law by eating it. The second thing Jesus says is that the scriptures, or, and the scriptures give no condemnation to David for what he did. There's no, there's no blaming David in this. Nobody ever says that he's guilty of anything, which is interesting. The second thing that Jesus points to is the fact that on the Sabbath, the priests do most of their work. So on the Sabbath day is when most people will go to the tabernacle or the temple and they'll bring their offerings and their sacrifices and those will have to be given. And now all that work is facilitated by the priests. So they do a lot of work on the Sabbath day. And Jesus says they're guiltless in this. They're guiltless, even though the the command to keep the Sabbath holy and to not work on the Sabbath comes actually first. That came before the laws regarding temple worship. So why was this okay? Well, in both these instances, what's being done is good. 
good is being done. The priests are doing, the priest, Abiathar, the priest is doing good for David. David is hungry. He's fleeing, he's fleeing uh, for his life. And he needs some food and all he has is the bread of the presence. So he's like, he shows mercy, gives it to David. And then in terms of the priests on the Sabbath, they're facilitating the, the worship of the people so that the people can come and, and so that they can make themselves right with God. That's the purpose of it. These are good things. So they're both doing good. See, as we approach God's laws, we should approach them with the understanding that God is good and gracious. He doesn't give us rules to be a burden on us. He actually gives us rules to bless us, to be a blessing to us, to show us his grace. Yes, the the laws, there are elements of the laws that we get that are there to protect us, to protect us from ourselves, to, to keep us from temptation so that we know what's right and what's wrong. But ultimately, it's not there to burden us. It's not there to keep us from enjoying life. It's there to bless us so that we can enjoy life in the full. That's why God has given us laws. Even the Sabbath. So if you, um, for example, if you, with the Sabbath, you work, if you go and work seven days a week, and you realize, yes, I, in my business, I can work seven days a week, I can make more money if I work more hours, and your business is booming, and you can, you can get more clients if you choose to work on Sunday, but eventually, what's going to happen? Well, you're probably going to get exhausted and burn out and start hating your job, because you're not giving yourself any time to rest. See, the command to rest is a blessing for us. It's good for us. It helps us in all aspects of life. On this idea of giving people a mandatory day off every week, back to the example of Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A staff regularly test as the most satisfied of all fast food workers this idea that they know that Sunday is a day off. No matter how many other days they've worked during the week or how many hours or how many late nights, knowing that Sunday is a day off, even if they're not Christians, this, this is a blessing to them. Sabbath rest is meant to bless, not burden. And the Sabbath rest is meant to point to a greater rest that we can only find in God himself. What does Jesus say next? He says, something greater than the temple is here. So all the laws, all the temple worship, All of that was meant to point to Jesus and the coming Messiah. This is what he says to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. So John 4, 21, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. He had met this woman at the well, and she was talking with him about, well, our people, my ancestors and the people around here say that I'm supposed to worship up here. But the Jews say, I can only worship in Jerusalem. And so Jesus is having this conversation with her, and he affirms that salvation is through the Jews. But then he continues, and he says, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Then she says, we've heard that the Messiah is coming and that he will teach us all things. And he says, I am he. 
So the time has come, he says, to worship in spirit and truth, and he's the Messiah. So he has come to fulfill all of the temple worship, all of the, the Sabbath rest. It's all fulfilled in him. He is Lord of the Sabbath. And in Christ, the time and location of worship isn't the critical piece. But it's that we are worshiping in spirit and in truth, knowing that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. What matters for us as we worship is the heart of the individual. What's our motivation in our worship? Are we worshiping, are we worshiping him because we feel like it's a chore that we have to? It's not supposed to be a burden. We worship him because we love him in response to his grace and his mercy that we've experienced in our own lives, that we see in his word. And when we come to him and worship him in that love and that grace, and we understand that his law is all about love and grace, and his spirit indwells us, we can have that Sabbath rest, that lasting rest in him. So if you want a lasting Sabbath rest, Come to Jesus. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. In him, you can find rest. So do we still observe the Sabbath? Yes, as Christians, we do. On the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, Sunday, we come together, we worship him. We generally take time off of our work. You go home after the service and you, have, uh, you might have a lunch with friends and family, you have a good metaschlope. For those non-Mennonites, that's just an afternoon nap. But you, you go and you enjoy the day and you rest and you're ready to go again on Monday. But it's a blessing. And sometimes we also engage in activities on the Sabbath as we rest. And these activities should be filled with grace. So point number two, Sabbath activities should be filled with grace. Continuing on, Matthew 12, starting in verse 9. He went on from there and entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. And he said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. So Jesus affirms that it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. The Pharisees are so stuck on their Sabbath rules that they don't even want to remember the fact that Jesus has done these miraculous healings and give him the ability or the freedom to do it on the Sabbath, to heal somebody. They don't even, they want, no, Jesus, that's too much work. You can't do that. See, the Pharisees have gone and they've taken the Sabbath rule, which is to be a blessing for us, for rest, and they've made it a burden but Jesus, Jesus doesn't allow it. So he uses this image of a sheep falling into a pit, and getting stuck in a ditch. 
Something like this. Here's a video for you. А Буш, отойди. Нет, сам. Он боится и так нас отойти. Я пойду. А Буш, отойди. Нет. Потяни сейчас У! сам. Вверх потяни. Ой, умничка, Риад, умничка. Ногу не сломай только ему. Умничка, умничка. За обе ноги. Молодец, Риад. Умничка. Умничка. Все, операция удалась. Yeah, sheep aren't the brightest creatures, are they? I think it's probably why Jesus compares them to people so much. But his, his point in this image is to show that anyone, even the Pharisees, will save a valuable piece of livestock, a valuable animal from a ditch if it's suffering in a ditch, Human beings are far more valuable than that. So he should be able to heal this man. And in this whole section where Jesus is talking about yokes and keeping the Sabbath, he's, Matthew including it all in this, together in this section is likely alluding to Isaiah 58 verses 6 through 14. So even Jesus, where he's, giving, where he's talking about the Sabbath He's probably alluding to Isaiah 58, and so I'll read it here. And it's quite a long passage, so. Uh, Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will, will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and calling the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. See, Isaiah is pointing to the fact that the, the Sabbath day and the laws about the Sabbath day or any of God's laws aren't not to be used in a spirit of self-righteous judgment. 
Not pointing fingers or using your tongue, right? Like not speaking wickedness or talking idly, spreading gossip or harmful rumors or talking poorly of people. That's not what the Sabbath is to be used for. The Sabbath is evidence of God's grace to us so that we can be, also be gracious to others. So for things we can do on the Sabbath, what can we do? Can we go out to a restaurant? Yes. But be a blessing to your server. Leave a gracious tip. When, when your food comes a little late or maybe there's something not quite right, don't complain, just bless her. Is it okay to play sports on Sunday? Yes. But don't allow your competitiveness to steal the joy of the game from yourself and from others. Be willing to lose the game for the sake of the relationship with the people that you're playing with. Is it okay to harvest on Sunday? All farmers, around here, you guys know the environment. You know what the weather can do from one day to the next. So if there's hay that needs to be brought in and there's forecast rain for the next day, you wouldn't need to get that hay in. Or if there's raspberries to pick and you know that the heavy rain could knock them off the bushes, you need to pull those raspberries in. And this is doing good because it is taking what God has blessed you with and is being a good steward of it. And you're using it to bless your family. And as believers, you're probably using the funds that come in, coming from it to give of your tithes and offerings to, for the blessing of God's kingdom. Is it okay to heal on a Sunday? Of course. Jesus heals the man's hand. This man came to Jesus looking for healing from what was ailing him. And this is what we need to do too. We need to be going to Jesus. We need to be going to him to find rest. Jesus says, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So if you want rest from the pains of, of life, go to Jesus. If your soul is troubled by sin, whether it's your own or somebody else's against you, go to Jesus. If you're feeling the burdens of the world heavily upon you, go to Jesus. Only in Jesus will we find true rest. You won't, you won't find it in money. You won't find it in shopping sprees. You won't find it in a new phone or a new car. Yeah, those things will be shiny at first and will give you that whoosh of excitement and you'll be happy to, to use it. But it won't be very long and then you'll be lying in bed at night with the weight of the world on you again. Come to Jesus. Cast your burdens on him and live for him. And then we see the last verse in this text. The Pharisees begin to seek to destroy him. See, they were convinced that he was not the Messiah. They were convinced that he couldn't be the Messiah because he's not just one of them. He's not going along with them. They're right. He can't be right. They couldn't understand. When Jesus says, come to him for rest, they couldn't understand that. 
And their attitude about Jesus continued throughout his ministry all the way past the triumphal entry when everybody, everybody praised Hosanna. But then the next day, Jesus goes into the temple, cleanses the temple. And what did the chief priests say? Mark eleven eighteen. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and they were seeking a way to destroy him. For they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. You see, the religious leaders loved the strict rule-keeping. They loved to make the law a burden rather than an evidence of God's grace to us. And they missed the evidence of Jesus and who he was. They missed the evidence of God's grace in their midst. They missed the fact that they could find actual, real, lasting rest in Jesus. So don't be like the religious leaders. Don't try to earn your righteousness by keeping the law and following it because, well, this is A, B, and C, and this is what I have to do. Don't think that that's going to earn your righteousness. Come to Jesus. Find rest in him. He has earned your righteousness. See Jesus for who he is. Realize that God's laws are meant for a blessing. Turn from your legalistic self-righteousness and trust in him. Only in Christ will you find true rest. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you are so full of grace and love for us. I thank you that, Lord, we can see your law and we can see the the fact that this calls us to a standard of of holiness that that you are holy and we are not but lord would you let that not be a burden to us but let it be grace to us by your spirit reveal to us how this is gracious and that how how living for you is the best thing that there is Yes, the, the world makes all sorts of promises that if we follow the ways of the world, if, if we go and try to, uh, find, try to find our satisfaction in, in new items or uh, new spouses or new relationships, Lord, that those, the, promise that, or the world says, tries to promise us that those things will satisfy us, but Lord, we know they won't. So Lord, lead us to contentment in you. Lead us to contentment in what you've given us and help us to enjoy the Sabbath rest that we can find in you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. In your name, Jesus, amen.